give us your overview. Good window for Norwich. Just to recap, you knew this. You do that business. You get an island in. You bring the young lad in on deadline day. Riley Academy signing, obviously, initially. No outs. Probably for Norwich fans, that was as big as anything. You know, some of the key players. But how do you assess January window for you? Yeah, I think overall we have to see it as a, as a positive window. Um, you know, if I'm honest, we would have liked to have uh, got the journalist done, done earlier because we were working on that. Well, for a long time, to be honest. So uh, I, I was personally disappointed that it didn't, he didn't get here quicker, especially knowing the challenges that we were going to have around actually then getting him registered. So, uh, but, you know, that's life. You need the other club to, to play ball and, and everything else. And, and that didn't happen as quick as we would have liked. Um, but yeah, overall, delighted. Neuland, I think, is a, a, a real interesting one for us as well. You know, it really strengthens our goalkeeping department, um, you know, obviously in the short term, but also hopefully maybe even in the in the midterm. Because, you know, if we look at Archie Mayer, who's out on loan, having a good season at Kings Lynn, uh, you know, we've had Daniel Barden play a few minutes now and, and it'll be important for his development uh, to get out on loan probably next season. So I think, although Neuland's until the summer, it gives us a chance to have a good look at him, him to have a good look at us. Uh, so I think in terms of that midterm, you know, it, it really, uh, really helps. And, then, you know, of course, we've still got Michael McGovern, uh, who we're talking to at the moment as well, about potentially extending his stay. Um, so, yeah, it, I think, you know, that was a real sort of good one for us. Um, and then, like, like you said before, we haven't lost anyone. Well, no, no, we didn't want to lose, which was, uh, which was really which was really positive. You know, uh, we had a little bit of pressure on, on one of them in particular, not the one which was in the media every day. Um, but it was good to keep them. And, and hopefully now the window's shut, everyone can, you know, focus on the last 18 games and, you know, doing the best they can for, for Norwich and, and trying to fulfil the objectives that we want to achieve. On your new list, and to a less extent, Soto, but you had the first test of the new Brexit procedures. Um, how did you find that? with those two and how big a change now you've gone through this window, is it going to make in terms of your recruitment, you know, the different markets you might have to look at? Yeah, it, it's massively challenging. Um, got to give huge credit to Sam Hall, who's our, who's our lawyer, uh, and Andy Blofeld, who's obviously our long-standing club secretary, because, you know, they have to work through minefields of information. Uh, and, and to be honest, I still don't know how they sort of quite did it, but, what it was with both Soto and, and Janulis, it was it was really good for us to go through that as a club and the individuals within the club because now we're set up to be even stronger and better as we get towards the next window and, and the windows which are gonna are gonna follow that because we've been through it because it is a extremely challenging process, um, terribly sort of time consuming and I think it would put a lot of clubs off at, at almost first base really so I think you'd get there and it is sort of quite daunting. Um, so, so for sure that that's going to change that. But I think it's also going to change a lot of the markets. You know, we did a uh, um, like a review of our squad of when we signed them to find out which players when we did sign them would we be able to sign now under the current rules. And you know, we wouldn't have been able to sign the likes of Puki, Buendia, Steeperman, Zimmerman, all these guys. And um, that's sort of quite scary, really. So that you know, that's going to change the face of of how we recruit and who we recruit. But what I would say is with the problems with it, it also creates opportunities and there's now new markets that we can go into, such as South America, which we've been working in for the last couple of years in preparation for, for Brexit. You know, we, we always knew this was coming down the road and it was going to change. So we've tried to be proactive and awake for that. And I think what it will do as well, I think it will create um, a bit like the Janulis deal, new opportunities because, you know, whereas before maybe championship clubs or bottom end Premier League clubs could go fishing in certain markets, now they can't. You know, there's only so many clubs can take certain players. So I think, you know, with Janulis, we've got, a, you know, a fantastic player 
who probably normally we might not have got, um, but because we were awake and we were fully on top of what the rules were and what we could do, because he literally scraped through on the criteria. He had 15 points, which is what you have to have as a minimum to get in. Um, and if he'd gone a couple more weeks and hadn't played for whatever reason, he could have dropped down to 14 points. That's how tight it was. So, um, so I think it's been really awake for them, uh, for them opportunities. And yeah, so far so good. And, and like I say, I'm really glad we've gone through it. Cause I think as a club, that'll make us stronger for the, for the next upcoming windows rather than for the first time we have to do it is in the summer and, you know, everyone's going through what we've just been through. Do you think, is there another dimension in terms of domestic players now? Is an extra premium on them, not only domestic UK developed players, but I mean, presumably there's like a settled status. So, that, so the overseas lads who've come in are now almost treated um, as a domestic top player in terms of these new regulations. Does it place a higher premium on domestic talent? Definitely, yeah. And I think um, if you take our players, you know, their value's gone up, you know, considerably with that one decision with uh, with Brexit and new rules. Um, so I think for our club in the short term, it, it's a it's a big advantage. I think, again, it, it justifies the investment and time we've put in our academy um, to create, uh, you know, our own homegrown players uh, because that's going to become vitally important. Because I think what will end up happening in the mid and longer term is if we're not careful, I think you're going to have average settled players or homegrown players being worth an absolute premium because clubs are going to struggle to sign players from other markets. Um, and for us, that doesn't really work having a, you know, a 32-year-old journeyman on an outrageous sort of salary. So I think in the longer term for the game, I think it's going to cause a big problem. Um, and that, you know, that's going to come down the, down the track at, at some point. But I think for us, hopefully how we've tried to organise our club in terms of younger players and different things, hopefully it will actually end up being a, an advantage for us because we should have massive value, massive more value um, on our players. And I think if you look at the success that Jamal's had at Newcastle and, and Ben even more probably at Everton, since last summer, I think it, it puts real premium on the ones that we've still got left here. That No, these are Premier League players and these are players who can play in the top half of the Premier League and, and go and achieve sort of uh, really good things such as James Madison. So hopefully that'll... Um, that really help us, not as much as, you know, we don't want to sell them, but we're also realistic because at some point their journey will end here, whatever division we're in. Um, and for us then, it's about maximising the best value that uh, we can get. How big an impact has the pandemic had is having on, on you and your area of the football business? Yeah, I think it, this is tough for everyone. I think it's the um, it's the unseen which which people don't get, you know, realise, you know, both, uh, you know, on a personal level, me and my wife work full time. And we've got a, a little boy that we're having to homeschool, you know, and we're having to juggle, juggle that. And, and I think they're the things that um, people often forget with football. You know, I think football's treated as if uh, everyone lives on some island and has unbelievable money and you can, you know, we don't have normal lives. It's the same for our players, you know, our players who've got children in school, they're homeschooling their children before they come here because, you know, most of their wives are either working or, you know, it's a mental strain of, of family members who are sat at home all day. You know, you've got to try and sort of share the burden. So I think on that level, it's like for the whole world, it, it's tough. Um, you know, we know we're the lucky ones. At least we can continue to work because that's better than the alternative of, of not working for sure. And then, yeah, I think it's a daily challenge. You know, we've had obviously some COVID cases. We've had, unfortunately, what comes with that, which is an element of, um, of panic and should football continue? Should it not? Or whatever. And I think we, you know, we navigated through that in the end really well. You know, I'm very proud of, of everyone here that we've not had a game called off because of COVID, um, you know, where it would have been easy. It would have been easy to call the Cardiff and Bristol game off. 
uh, because you had enough cases where the league probably would have gone, yeah, you can have it off. And then obviously an investigation would have, would have followed that. But, you know, we battled through it because, you know, we were like, well, actually, you know, we've got a good squad. We've got a big squad. You know, we've got a duty to try and uh, try and get through this. You know, we're fortunate that the government has said that football needs to continue and given us permission to continue. We felt it was important um, to sort of continue through it. So I'm really, you know, really proud of all the guys, how they've done that. You know, fair play to all the people here who've set up all the protocols and making our environment as safe as it, as it can possibly be. Um, you know, and touch wood, we're sort of navigating it through on that quite well. Um, you know, we just got to make sure that we, you know, get through the next sort of three months of the season and then hopefully in the summer, the world starts to look a better place anyway. And, you know, hopefully everyone can sort of start getting back to, to normal. Specifically, in terms of the drag on finances, you know, no fans, and we know how important that part of your revenue pie is to, to have fans at Carrow, twenty-seven thousand every other home game. Does that now make it even more imperative, from just from the financial standpoint and the a self-sufficient club that you need to get promoted this season? No, I don't think so. I think you know our aim is to get promoted because you know we, we always thought we've got a good squad, uh, we've got a top manager that would would give ourselves a chance this year. Um, but it's not the pressure of we have to get promoted. It, you know, we want to get promoted, of course. We've put ourselves in a good position to, to have a good go at that, at least. Um, yeah, I mean, the finances is, is a disaster because, um, you know, what's happened for every business and club, maybe unless you sell PPE or food, um, it, it's had a massive damaging effect. And, you know, what probably upsets me most is that's, um, that's slowing down some of the progress that we can be making because whereas... You know, we sell players last summer for an unbelievable amount of money. That goes into a black hole that's been created through COVID and the fact that we've got to give season ticket rebates and all them rebates and TV rebates and, and all them things. And, you know, and that, and that's a little bit uh, a little bit annoying, to be honest. But at the same time, we have to take proud pride as a whole club and everyone who works within it that we've not made a COVID-related redundancy. Um, we battled on through it. We've not had to go and, you know, beg, borrow and, and whatever money off people. You know, we're sort of managing our way through it. Um, but is it annoying? Yeah. Is it, is it, does it hurt a little bit? Definitely. But it's life, you know, and, and let's be, let's be lucky. We're, you know, we're fortunate, you know, we've still got a business standing. Um, you know, if anything, the business is probably thriving at the moment in terms of, you know, on the pitch, how well, how well the sort of team are doing. Um, we've just got a, keep doing that. If it ends up in promotion, brilliant. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, we, we know, you know, who we are and, and what we are. We've got no divine right to get promoted and there's no pressure on Daniel, myself or the players to get promoted um, from the financial point of view. The pressures, uh, the pressures that we put on ourselves uh, to try and be the best we can be and, and if that ends up being enough to get promoted, brilliant. If it doesn't, that's all right. We dust ourselves off and we'll have another go next year. Obviously, I was going to come around to this topic but you touched on it in your first answer reading between the lines and the, the, the Buendia Arsenal thing was probably just the speculation that you get um, sadly with the social media element now uh, in play but was there any interest then in Todd or, or Max interest as you would define it in January? Yeah, the, the only interest in any of our players was in Max um, which ironically was the only one which didn't get out in the press which was which was nice because it shows that often how it works actually when something's happening it isn't on a, some 12-year-old social media account. Um, it's often when it is on a 12-year-old social media account, it's, it's rubbish, even though we have to answer questions all, all, uh, all January about. But this 12-year-old in Essex has definitely said he's seen Arteta at Buendia's house. Well, not sure you should believe him. Um, 
So yeah, we didn't have any interest in, in Emmy uh, or Todd. Um, we did in Max, and, and I spoke to Max about that, and, and was as always with all our players very honest when there's interest in them, um, good or bad interest from our point of view. It's about that honest relationship, and it's about conversations about what that does that mean for the club, what does it mean for for the individual. Um, we decided not to act on that interest uh, with Max his blessing. I, I must add because um, it was from abroad and, and it wasn't quite. Um, what would have been right for him and definitely wasn't right for us at, at that time. So, and it was about keeping the squad together and, you know, and Max and, and I've not spoke to Amy or Todd, but I'm sure they'll be exactly the same. You know, they want to crack on and, and help this club try and get promoted this season. Uh, I don't think moving in January was ever a topic for them guys. You know, we're, we're you know, we're top of the league and going pretty well. It, it, it might be different if we're 15th in the prem, in the championship and, and they had, you know, offers to go and join whoever in the Premier League, that might be different. And I understand that. Uh, but the fact is, you know, as a club, you know, we've stuck by all of our players. Um, all of our players have sort of stuck by us. And it's a bit like, well, let's try and finish the job rather than, you know, itching to get a move for the sake of it. So I mean, if you're not careful in January, we've all seen it. There's lots of moves which can happen in January, which just end up being forced through for the wrong reasons. And end up you six months later you end up regretting them and you think oh actually I might have been in a better place had I stayed at, at Norwich or if I would have stayed at X Club so again I think it's you know it's inevitable interest will come for for them three boys that you mentioned because they're you know they're terrific players they're they're very experienced players now for their age um, they've been delivering week on week for us for the last sort of three years all of them um, you know they're good pros they're good guys so inevitably interest will will come. Um, at some point and, and I've got no doubt at some point they'll, their journey here will end you know and, and that, that's life and we're, and we're very realistic about that and um, you know when it does we'll make sure that we get well rewarded we'll make sure that they go to a good place um, like a Ben has or a Jamal has or, or James Madison before that because that's part of what we do and that's alright um, but most importantly it's about leaving their legacy has to be leaving Norwich in the best place it can be when that day does come to leave I mean, Daniel, I recall um, when the Arsenal Buendia thing blew up, he, he he almost went on the front foot and said, look, for reasons you've already stated there, it wouldn't make sense in January. But on a broader point, he said maybe a summer window is when those type of deals would happen. You know, you only go back to the Madison one. It suited all parties and, and it got done in that summer. Um, I mean, irrespective of the league you're in in the summer, do you think they, things could develop if, if it, all the cards fell right for all three parties in any of those cases? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it's part of our model and, and we can't sell to players or staff, um, you know, come here, we'll give you an opportunity, we'll develop you. And if you do really well for us, you know, we'll make sure that we play a part in helping your journey to, you know, maybe bigger and better things than us. And then stop that because that doesn't work. You know, it, it kills us when we're then trying to replace people in the future because, you know, that will be accused of sort of lying to them or whatever. So I think inevitably that day will come. Uh, all three of them players are, you know, very talented um, individuals, really good people, most importantly. And I think they've all, all three of them have got big, big futures in the game. And we want to keep them as long as possible. Of course we do. Uh, but we're also realistic. And, and I think one thing we can't do as a club um, is if an offer is that good, for them and us, we can't stand in people's way. If you take Ben Godfrey, and I sat with Ben and I really didn't want him to go last summer. Um, I really didn't, and, and nor did Daniel, obviously, but it's Everton. It's one of the best managers in the world. Um, it's a club who, uh, obviously, you know, if you look at the stadium redevelopment plans, you know, they're, they're trying to become 
you know, back to maybe what they were in the, in the late 80s, uh, you know, as a big club in, you know, at the top end of English football and, and eventually get to the point of how can we actually stop this lad? Because if, he st- if we would have stopped him going, it's not only the effect it has on Ben and the people around him, it's the effect it has on the rest of the dressing room who go, wow, they turned down X for you to go there. That, that means they'll probably do it to me. Um, and it causes that, you know, it can cause ill feeling. And I think what we've done well over the years, before, long before I was here as well, by the way, because if you look at Redmonds and, and people like that have moved in the past, but, you know, there's always another hero. I remember when we sold Johnny Alston and, and everyone was, you know, moaning about me doing that. And it's like, well, there'll be a new hero. And later that summer, it's James Madison. Six months later, and everyone's going, Johnny who? Or, you know, when Wes left, you know, you know Wes is a legend at this club, but now everyone's like comparing Emmy to him. So there's always a new hero and one day Emmy will leave and there'll be another a version of him. And I think that's, you know, you have to take emotion out of it when you're running it and and sort of always, you know, plan for these departures because at some point they happen, it's inevitable. You know, it's the same with it's the same with Daniel. You know, I've always said it. Daniel will go and be a head coach in the in the Champions League. And if Borussia Dortmund came for him this summer or, you know, Everton or something like that, the same rules apply there of like, well, it gets to the point of You've got to let people. You've got to let people go, and you've got to let people develop because that's that's what we promise them when they come here. You know what we can't do is we can't pay people massive money. We can't, you know, we can't give them the structure of what you'd get at a massive club. We give them the opportunity to develop and and work with freedom to to try and get to the next level. When that next level comes, we can't we can't then just say no, that doesn't work. But what we can do, and I had this conversation with. Uh, a couple of the younger boys last summer is with a great respect, we're not selling you to a club at the bottom of the Premier League. That's not happening. If you go in, you go into a club where you're going to be fighting for Europe because that's that's the next stage of our model is James Madison's Ben Godfrey's not without being rude. What happened with the two Murphys uh, or Alex Pritchard? Because that pains me, to be honest. Uh, some people go, oh, unbelievable deals. It's like, well, actually, no, that's not what we want. We want to produce players who can go and play in the Champions League, not ones who end up being sub in the Championship. That, that's not we don't. I don't have, we don't have any pride in that, um, you know. And, and that's what we say to our young boys here: is when you're ready to move, when it's right, we'll know it's right. And you know, contrary to probably people's beliefs, we talk to our players and we have good relationships with them and their families um, because they're like our kids. You know, Max is. I remember Max sat in my office giving him a bollocking of his life when he was 16, 17 because he'd done something wrong in college or whatever it was you know he's he's someone you go on that journey with and you actually want him to end up at the right place um and we have to play our part in that and, and obviously more importantly he does by performing on the pitch um but yeah we have to be realistic assess state of play on the pitch top end of the championship well if we have this conversation externally anyway 10 days two weeks ago probably got a different feel to it slightly but is that the championship in a nutshell peaks and troughs so internally what's what's the mood Where, where's the headspace at yeah, I mean, it's like everything. When you win three on the bounce or five on the bounce or whatever, you can't, you know, go walking around the town centre, you know, uh, with a, you know, uh, patting yourself on the back. Likewise, when you have three, four games without the results that you want, you can't go around the town centre with a rope trying to hang yourself. It, it, it is what it is. The championship's brutal, as we know. If you look at the let's leave the cup game out of this, but if we take the the last three league games. Middlesbrough seventh in the league was never going to be an easy one. And we, you know, we hamper ourselves by going down to 10 men for 30 minutes. So in the end, you go, all right, it's a point. Let's take it. Let's go home. Millwall away. I challenge anyone who finds that an easy place to go uh, midweek when the pitch is, you know, shot to bits. Um, we get a point. And then at Swansea the other night, we didn't, you know, we didn't do enough. Uh, and we make two mistakes and we, and we end up coming home 
um, without any points. But I think overall, if you look at the 28 games, if someone would have said, we'll be where we are, I think we all would have taken it. Um, if you compare with our biggest competitors, who I think we can realistically compare ourselves with, which is Watford and Bournemouth, because all three of us were relegated last season. You know, we're, I think both of them would swap would swap places with us. You know, they've had to change their managers, both of them now mid-season, um, which causes whatever that causes. Um, so now I think overall, if you look, you know, how the new players have settled in, how Daniel and the staff have done, I think they've done an incredible job, you know, to have, you know, managed through a pandemic, a relegation where, let's be honest, the last 12 games for us was brutal last year. We didn't just narrowly get relegated. It was, you know, it was like death by a thousand cuts you know, to pick ourselves up and, and the work that Daniel and his staff have done and the players, I think has been incredible. I think they're doing an absolutely incredible job as a club. We're very proud of them. We're very grateful to them. Um, and I think the benefit is of experience is we understand you're not going to win every game. And I know that's hard for fans to sometimes get their head round. But it's football and that's why, you know, we love football. You know, it's why Man United two weeks ago lost to Sheffield United, then draw at Arsenal and their world's ended and then they go and put nine on the team and suddenly, you know, they're the best team in the world again. And, you know, it's why Liverpool now are suddenly absolutely bang average and Jurgen Klopp's the worst manager ever. You know, let's be honest, six months ago, he's the greatest manager to ever walk, you know, set fours in England. So I think... Um, we, you know, we're lucky that we're experienced enough to be realistic, um, and we know this league, and this league is brutal, as you know, it, it is brutal. There's a reason I think why only is it only one team's only, only ever got under 100 points, over 100 points. Sorry, there's a reason for that. It, it's horrendous. Um, so every point's a good one, and you know, it's about sort of sticking together, um, working through any difficult patches, and suddenly you win a game and, and the world's uh, a lot better place. You know, I'm sure all of our competitors have had sticky patches or will have sticky patches. And it is what it is. You just get on with it. We're playing all right. Yeah, I would like to create more. Of course we would. But, you know, we're not a million miles away. You know, we're not we're not a million miles away. How big are you touching it? Uh, uh, the factor of two seasons ago, that experience, you know, Daniel and his coaches are the same. There's a core group of players who are the same. They've been over this terrain. They know it was Sheffield United and Leeds then. Maybe you could say without any disrespect to the clubs below, it's maybe Swansea and Brentford at the minute. So there's very similar parallels. How big do you feel this could be now, this experience of they know when it gets a bit squeaky bomb time, to use that phrase, they know what's required and, and they're able to ride out these, like you say, difficult periods. Could that be a big card in your pack, as it were? Yeah, I think I think it has to be. You know, it's you know we've got a manager who's won this league, um, which is which is huge, and, and all the staff. We've got staff who have been promoted here sort of three or four times. You know, staff have been here a long time. You know, people like myself who've been fortunate to have done it. At, you know, a couple of clubs. Um, you know, and lots of players who have sort of been there and, and sort of done it. So it's um, yeah, I think here if you were walking around Colney. Uh, the place is calm. I think we're all realistic. We know that you're not going to win every game in this league. Um, it's brutal. You know, when you play every three days like we are at the minute on difficult pitches in a, a condensed schedule, yeah, you just you got to get through it and take it sort of just game by game and not look too far ahead, not start trying to predict, or oh, if we could get this points in this month or whatever. It's about, you know, let's try and beat Stoke on Saturday and then after Saturday, whoever the next game is, let's try and go and uh, let's try and beat them and then one after that and the one after that and the one after that and um, yeah, I think experience is, is crucial 
um, when you go into the running, you know, and we're, we're not quite in the running yet, but, you know, we're about five games away from when it gets to the real business end, um, you know, and that's where, you know, the pressure steps up a notch. We've had a lot of focus on us in the last couple of months because we've been top and we're the team who come from the Premier League and we won it last time. Um, now it'll be Swansea and Brentford's turn to probably have that pressure. Swansea's result has probably put them on the map where everyone's going, oh, look, Swansea are now the, the new favourites. Look, look, they're going to go and win the league and win the next 18 games in a row. And, and it becomes a different pressure then when everyone starts looking at you um, and every time you make a mistake, everyone overanalyzes it because you're in that position. Now, we'd much rather be in that position than stuck in the middle of the league where no one cares, let's be honest. Uh, we'd rather have this um, this this sort of pressure. But like I say, it's we've been through it so many times before. It's it's not really pressure. It's just realism for us and we just get on with it. Fine. Sorry, mate. Uh, final one. Slight tangent, but uh, it's popped into me. Uh, did, did you see those Alex Tetty quotes about he might be quite keen to maybe go down the coaching route beyond this season? We know he's like in his final year in terms of his playing contract. I mean, I think he did an interview just in the Norwegian press. He did say he hadn't spoken really to Daniel too deeply, but where would your headspace be at in terms of Alex? Because, you know, you're talking about good influences and people have been around and, and but, you know, to have a player like that influencing younger players I'm sure that would be something you'd like to tap into but obviously there's a lot of moving parts to that but is there anything that possibly could happen in that area or is there still really a lot of conversations to be had between you Daniel and Alex yeah I've not I've not spoke to Alex about it I normally give him the wiggly finger every March um, and you know, we have our yearly conversations so we'll no doubt do that again in national break you know we've also got Mario to consider out of contract in the summer um, and Michael McGovern, who I've already had a conversation with about us extending his stay, because um, all three are very important, not just players, but as people. In terms of Alex, to go back to your question, I think, you know, I haven't seen what he said, um, but, you know, we, I think he's still got so much to offer on the pitch, whatever division we're in, um, before he worries too much about, uh, about coaching. Um, but he's a player who's been here a long time, who deserves the respect that he'll be given from the club, you know, and that, you know, will be a conversation whether that's extending his playing days, whether it's, you know, what he wants to do next in his, uh, in his career. Uh, Alex will know it's not just as easy as hanging up your boots and becoming a, you know, a first team coach or whatever. There's a journey to, to sort of go on to, to get to that sort of level. Um, but yeah, when the time's right, um, I'll have that with him. Uh, obviously if it's about playing and stuff, obviously, uh, Daniel, as always, will be will be involved in in that as well. But um, yeah, we'll we'll have that when the when the time's right. Alice is experienced enough know to know at the minute. He, you know, he's got a job to do on the pitch um, and around our players. Because when we talked to the previous question about experience, there's no one better than him uh, for knowing how to to get through this. Uh, you know, this last 18 games and and that you know all his focus needs to be on that at the moment. Um, but one thing Alex knows. I think everyone knows that this club is that we're very fair and we're open with our guys and you know people who do well for us, we do well for them. So um, you know, if Alex wants to stay longer, we'd be delighted to have that conversation. But um, yeah, that's it. I'll have that with him when the when the time's right. <laughs>